Rob Breckenridge with you. Obviously, there's been a lot of debate so far on the campaign trail around the issue of vaccine mandates. I mean, there's there's a limit to the federal jurisdiction in this area. I think a lot of this is ultimately going to fall to the provinces. But we've seen some policy announcements right before the election call from the government about vaccine mandates for federal public servants, but also more broadly for, I think, Canadians, the idea that uh, any travelers on commercial flights, interprovincial trains, uh, for example, or buses, would have to be vaccinated. Now, how this is going to work in practice, I guess, remains to be seen. The Conservatives have suggested that maybe one way to deal with that would be to, you know, really emphasize rapid tests, for example, or at least provide that as as an option for unvaccinated travelers. So joining us to talk about some of the concerns on the civil liberties side about this approach and this whole conversation around vaccine mandates. Very pleased to welcome the program here this morning, Christine Van Gyne, litigation director with the Canadian Constitution Foundation. The CCF.ca is their website. Uh, Christine, thanks for making some time for us here today. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so your thoughts, first of all, on what you've been seeing and hearing from uh, certainly from from the two main party leaders uh, over the last few days on the vaccine mandate question. Yeah, so I think that there's two things here. There's a vaccine mandate for federal workers, and then there's a vaccine that they're trying to mandate for uh, travel on planes, trains, or uh, I think cruise ships was the other thing. Yeah. And both of those create different issues. So I think that the 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 mandate for federal workers is is really an employment question, and I think employment lawyers are best position to uh to to comment on that but i i will say that um any any employment lawyer i've spoken to about this and, and i'm just to be clear i'm not an employment lawyer but the, this is a unionized workplace right the federal government's mm-hmm. unionized workplace and the union will absolutely not uh concede that employees who fail to get vaccinated can just be let go of course that's not what's going to happen the prime minister has even sort of conceded this fact that they're not going to fire people who refuse to get vaccinated and they'll need to provide accommodations, um, not just for people, I think, who who won't get vaccinated because they have a medical condition that precludes them or because they have a, a sincere uh, religious belief, but people who who simply, uh, for whatever their own personal reason, won't get vaccinated. These are these employees, I, I don't think it's realistic to think that the government's going to fire them. I think the, right. they're most likely to be going to be given some type of accommodation, either um, work from home, continue to work from home, which I think a lot mm-hmm. of them are already doing, or um, or testing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think on that sense, I don't know that there's much difference between the conservative approach and and the liberal approach. I think that, you know, the broader impact on Canadians may be with regard to interprovincial travel. So how, how do you see that affecting Canadians at this point? Yeah. So we have a lot of concerns with that because this is that in that context, it is a constitutional issue. Um, it it would specifically trigger your rights to mobility, which are protected under Section 6 of the Charter. That's your right to enter, remain in, and leave Canada or move between provinces. And the a restriction on your ability to move between provinces, like a vaccine requirement to fly on a plane or or take a train, that really is that really is an impairment on your right to move freely within the country. And it's also an impairment on your Section 7 right to um to liberty now rights intersect right so there will be times when you can say you know 
the right to personal uh, security person can be impacted by being around um, COVID positive people. And I think that that's why COVID measures, some COVID measures are warranted. But when you're going to limit rights, there's a test for how the government can limit rights. It, it needs to be um under section one of the charter, it needs to be justified. And to be justified, it needs to be minimally impairing. And we know if the government is aware of an alternative like rapid testing as an alternative to a requirement for vaccination, that would be a less impairing alternative. And it doesn't make sense to me. The government would jump to mandating it, making it requirement required to get on a on a plane or a train when there's an alternative of a rapid test that can be completed within 15 minutes. Much less intrusive. Yeah, it is. And uh, I wonder to what extent politics are kind of distorting this conversation. But uh, that, that I mean, that, that seems pretty reasonable. I don't know if it makes all of those issues go away. But as you said, it would definitely change the, the conversation, would definitely change some of the potential constitutional ramifications, wouldn't it? No, it doesn't make ever. It doesn't make the issue go away. I mean, like a test is still an intrusion. It, it, it's a it's a less serious intrusion, though, and it's not a permanent intrusion. Whereas a vaccination is a more permanent and serious intrusion if you don't want one. Now, I support vaccination. I'm vaccinated. I think the smart thing to do is to get vaccinated. But I understand that not everybody is in my situation. And I've spoken to people, um, I've spoken to a woman specifically in Manitoba, where they have a domestic vaccine policy in that province where uh, people aren't allowed to go into certain public spaces if they're not vaccinated or not fully vaccinated. And this woman I've been speaking to is she also supports vaccination. That's why she went to try and get vaccinated. And she developed a heart inflammation, which is a rare, a very rare adverse reaction. But how how is our government going to accommodate people who, for a reason of disability, can't get fully vaccinated? Right now in Manitoba, she's not being accommodated. And the federal government has said they will accommodate people for planes and trains who can't get fully vaccinated but, you know, the, the government in Manitoba also says they accommodate people and they, they do not. So I have a lot of concerns about the rights of these minority groups who, for whatever reason, can't be vaccinated. Right. And as you say, so at this point, Manitoba hasn't taken steps to, to make adjustments to its policies. We've seen that elsewhere. I mean, where, where are provinces at? I know Quebec has, has talked about, you know, introducing a vaccine passport system. How, how far along this path are other provinces? So, Man sorry, Manitoba has implemented one um, in the East Coast. There are provinces that have restrictions on when you enter the province. They have certain mandatory quarantine periods if you're not mm -hmm. vaccinated. Um, so that's a, a sort of passport system as well. Specifically, PEI has a system like that. Um, Ontario now has announced mandatory vaccination for certain um, certain employee groups. And as I said, this is more of an employer-employee issue than a... Um, than a, than a constitutional issue. But I don't know. One of the things I'm really concerned about is sunsetting these, these provisions, right? How are these, are these rules always going to be in place? Is, are we always going to need to show proof of vaccination to, to fly from Toronto to Calgary? The government hasn't made that clear. The government federally also hasn't made clear how these rules are going to apply to children. Um, right now, children over 12 can be vaccinated. But I know that there's a lot of parents who have not made the decision to vaccinate their 12-year-old child children. And I think that there, 
there's a variety of reasons parents may not make that may may choose not to vaccinate. I don't think it's necessarily an unreasonable thing to say I'm not vaccinating my 12 year old against a virus that is very unlikely to make him or her sick. So how is the government going to treat those children? How is the government going to treat children who are under 12 once a vaccine is approved for for very young children? Um, we're expecting that in the fall. Uh, are those children going to be exempt or are they going to be required to show proof of vaccination uh, in order to fly on a plane in, in Canada? We don't know the answers to these questions. And, and I think that they're important questions to be asking. In terms of the, and maybe these become privacy implications, both in terms of the manner in which we're, we're expected to demonstrate that proof of vaccination and, you know, who, who's in control of that information, what's done with that information. Is there still a need for, for clarity on that side? Yeah, so I think that there's there's ways of managing that, right? Like in Manitoba, I don't have huge privacy concerns because literally the only thing that the Manitoba immunization card says is that you've been fully immunized. Um, it doesn't include more information than that. I don't see that as a huge intrusion into our privacy rights. But again, we don't know um, how the data is going to be used by the federal government to for example, modern, you know, keep records of our movements. I think when you get into that, it becomes a lot more concerning. We'll see where this goes from here. Much more is mentioned, the ccf.ca. Christine, thanks for make, uh, making some time for us here today. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me on. All the best. That is Christine Van Gogh, litigation director with Canadian Constitution Foundation, the CCF.ca. So, you know, raising some concerns around how this is going to work in practice. Is the government prepared to make accommodations in, in some circumstances? How is this all going to work in practice? So I think there's some legitimate questions there. But at the same time, there's definitely a need, I think, to have this conversation, you know, given where things are at, where things may be going.